Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Bienvenidos todos. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I am thrilled to be having this conversation today with someone we were just figuring it out. We're like, I think we met on someone's retreat like maybe eight or nine years ago. And so everyone, please help me welcome Therese Couture. Therese! Vanessa, I'm so happy. I was so excited when I received the invitation and really, truly, deeply honored. So thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. And I know that you were busy with your own beautiful summit. So I was like, when you said yes, I was like, yes, we got to have a <laughs> conversation with Therese. And, you know, I've been watching and been like, oh my God, look at the shape that her medicine and her magic is taking now. And look at this and look at that. And so I've been like, you know, cheering you on from the sidelines, like, yes, yes, yes. And with Embodied Black Girl, the global community, with many things that you're doing. And I was like, I've got to get her in here to have a deeper conversation about our ancestors, visionary business, um, what it's been like to reclaim being a healer and creating soul business and revolutionary leadership, right? Which we're gonna get into. Um, so before we get into that, I do wanna read Therese's bio and let's put on the glasses cause you know, <laughs> I don't wanna stutter. Great. Therese Couture, she, her, hers, is the founder of Embodied Black Girl, a global community that centers the healing and liberation of black women, femmes and non-binary beings across the diaspora. She's also a mother, a leadership coach with over 13 years of experience, a somatics practitioner, an educator, an anti-oppression facilitator, an artist and healer from a deep lineage of medicine people and revolutionaries. Over the years, Therese has worked with thousands of people from all backgrounds, and her work has been featured in publications such as Essence, Forbes, Travel Noir, Jezebel. Therese's work exists in the world to support Black women and femmes, to untether from somatized colonial violence, and unearth their deepest expression of embodied healing and leadership. This is about decolonization, reclamation, and mobilization to weave the new world. <laughs> I just want to breathe into that because that is exactly what the world is needing. And Therese, how did your ancestors, known and unknown, shape the woman that you are today and the mm. sacred work that you are bringing into the world? Mm. Thank you so much um, for that question. And really, I just feel like I am the prayer of my ancestors, like my being, my life, it's in devotion to all that they are um, and they are unfolding. And so my ancestors are from Aiti and my ancestors also were 
um, enslaved Africans. And there also are deep roots and lineage from the Taino and Arawak people who are the, the ancestral people of those lands. So for me, my ancestors, my dad actually transitioned about a decade ago. And it's through that transition, I really understood what it is to have ancestral connection and to really be led by our ancestors. And I feel like that's something that has been lost in our in our society and this overculture. So for me, it's it truly is everything. It truly is everything. And the work that I do, it's in reverence to that that vision of liberation that they had for me, for all people. So thank you so much for sharing that. Something that's coming up as I hear your words, was there, so the moment that you said you really felt guided by ancestors was when your dad, like 10 years passed. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, that is so beautiful. Have there been any patterns that you feel, ancestral patterns that you've needed to break or transform or re-shift? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I think the shift has really been around untethering, breaking up with whiteness and white spirituality and reclaiming the medicine that's in my lineage. I feel like there were points in time and maybe I didn't realize, I don't think I realized this consciously that I was like, wanted to be maybe someone else so that my life could be easier or, you know, and what I really, really got in a somatic embodied way was that everything that has happened in my life, the whole history, it is directly for the healing and liberation for Black women, femmes, and folks of color. And that was like a really big transition and shift for me in really centering those people, those individuals, and myself in that work and divesting from what I had seen, what I had learned, um, and really going back to my roots. Because my family on both sides are medicine people with deep lineage, you know, in, um, in plant medicine and spiritual medicine that has been passed down. And I didn't see that. So I didn't, you know, and no one in my family made a living doing what I do. Like my dad, you know, his funeral was like standing room only. And there was story after story about the healings and the things that he helped people through. And I was just like, wow. And he didn't make a dime from it. You know, it was all of the medicine was for free, right? All of the medicine was for community, for liberation. Um, yeah, I'll stop there and see if that answers your question. <laughs> Absolutely does. And then it leads to another one. Did he purposely keep you from knowing or seeing that? No, I knew it and I saw it. So okay. it wasn't something that I didn't know. I think even though it's something that I grew up with ever since I was a child, um, 
it was it was still my path to learn how to embody it. Right. And it looks different than how he did it um, or even my mom. But I had to learn to embody it. Right. Because I also was raised in New York City. Right. And that's a whole other set of pressures um, and um, assimilation that yeah. happens. You know, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I feel that. But but also what a blessing that you got to see it. And I mean, traditionally too, um, African practices, indigenous practices have been frowned upon, right? Unless somebody white went and learned it and then wrote a book about it, then suddenly <laughs> there was like an acceptance there. But I remember being like a, a new newly on the spiritual, I guess, interacting with the spiritual healers and um and everybody was very more new age based and i would talk about the limpias and the eggs and the this or the mediumship and they would look at you like and it's mm -hmm. so interesting because like all those folks now all these years later they're like now reclaiming the ancestral but i mean it comes to everybody in their own time but me then hiding that aspect although it's something i grew up with because it was like not accepted or seen as weird and so as you said it's up to us to embody that medicine and that knowing uh, are there any ancestral gifts that you're leaning into? I mean, you've just shared some, but that you're really leaning into with your work recently or of late or in your life. Mm. Yeah, ancestral gifts. And I'm, I'm actually thinking about what you just asked about the ancestral legacies that I've had to break. And it's really interesting because one of the things that personally I've had to, or I've been called to really transform. It's so many things, but worthiness. Yeah. Worthiness, also embracing the medicine of my lineage, like the medicine that lives in my DNA. And also shifting the, the, the ways that the women, especially on my maternal line, have been martyrs. Hmm. So what I'm leaning into is allowing myself to be truly held, supported, cared for, have abundance. Um, that's what I'm really leaning into. Like that, those are the gifts. And I feel like, okay, my ancestors worked so, so hard. Like they, they beyond worked hard, they were harmed and hurt and yet they still had the resilience to keep on going. And part of that is, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm resting all the time, but so much of that is taking that time to rest. As we were talking right before we came on, I was telling you, I'm like, um, I feel like I'm in a season of rest at least for the next month, yes. um, just resting. So the gifts and through that rest, it allows whatever is the next gift to come yeah. through, like yeah. whatever the next gift, because I feel like I've tapped into my intuition, but it's like, okay, there are um, deeper layers. Yes. Like there are deeper layers. And through that, I'm able to like tap into like, what are those deeper layers? What does spirit want me to do? Yes. What does spirit want me to know? You know, outside of like, you know, going on Instagram all day and like <laughs> scrolling, but like what, what wants to be birthed? And I feel like for me, it's like, okay, rest so that I can know. I love that rest so I can know. 
I love that. And we were talking about how in business, sometimes, you know, opportunities come and you got to hop into it. And then I think we also have to make time, like after two years of a lot of work, I started to work less this year, at least in terms of teaching every weekend and constantly I stopped because it was like, you didn't get ill. You got to like tend to this, lay in that hammock, take that walk and <laughs> adding it. Yes. And especially in terms of your ancestors who overworked, you reclaiming joy, reclaiming rest and trusting that uh, abundance is coming your way and that you can take that time. And so it's very powerful and very important. Um, when did you like some people have like moments or realizations when they realize, well, I'm a healer or I'm a leader, or I'm a guide, right? Did you have anything like that? Or was it just over time slowly? Because everybody has it differently. I think I, 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 I guess the word healer, like never you, you know, growing up, it wasn't really used like these are just, this is just the medicine that you have. Right. And, you know, so ever since I was a kid, like in single digits age, I would have dreams about what would happen to family members. So to me, I was like, that was actually normalized in my household. We would wake up every morning. And even to this day, my mom, when I speak to her, it's like, oh, what did you dream last night? And we'll like talk about dreams. So it was part of my being. So I feel like with capitalism and the overculture, it forces like a label, like, what are you? So obviously, you know, to explain, okay, the word healer, the word medicine person and all of that to help explain what it is. So I feel like it's been a knowing throughout my whole life, but I've had to learn to embody it. I love that. I love that. And you're absolutely right. Uh, we had the saying with the sueños, the dreams. And it'd be like, you know, when we wanted to share information with family is, tuve un sueño, I had a dream, right? And so <laughs> people like, oh, what happened? Like they cared about dreams. They're <laughs> on breakfast, right? Lunch, dinner, and chit chat about things. And it was normal. And I, and I think sometimes too, when something is normal and part of your everyday life, we may not see it as a gift, right? Mm. We may not see it as something special. It wasn't. Just right. Just, this is how we are, right? This is what we do. We cleanse. We do this. And um, before even going to the doctor, though, we did go to the doctor. We did a cleanse and a prayer and we ran out, right? Um, or some kind of herbal thing. And so I love that because you're bringing up something that I hope that folks who have had this, where there's always been a knowing within you, where there's always been a family belief or something under the surface maybe of even a religion that you reclaim it and and learn to embody it right and how would you describe because you say we have to embody it how would you define that you know from your perspective and, and your lived experience what does that process look like or or feel like or yeah i think the first word that comes to me as you're saying that is um trauma and a lot of times it can be contending with the trauma, transforming the trauma, alchemizing the trauma that prevents us from seeing, that prevents us from sharing, that prevented me from seeing, from sharing, and from really embodying it to the fullest ability. Like I remember years ago, like I, you know, was hearing the word, you know, circle. And I was like, what are, what are they talking about? Like, you know, just like, you know, these um, sister women's circles. And I was like, what are they talking about? And I remember um, actually one of your other guests 
um, Sora, we yeah. hopped on the phone and I was like, you know, when people are talking about this, what are they talking about? And she explained, she was like, you know, it's, it's, you know, sharing. And I was like, oh, okay. That's just what we did growing up. Like it, so there's all these other names that are given to things. And then I realized, oh, this is what my family does naturally. Like, you, you know, this just comes naturally. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's really been about first recognizing that what is that trauma and giving myself an opportunity to alchemize it and then taking the steps. Because a lot of times it can stay in the mental space, but then what are the steps, the baby steps, the itsy bitsy steps that I can take to step more into it? Um, so that's personally been my process and not needing to know the whole story. Because a lot of times, <laughs> you know, we were talking just before about Global Healing Festival. I didn't know that it would turn into a festival. It started like a couple of hours, a couple of years ago doing something for a few hours and it turned into this. And had I known, I would have been like at that time, probably like, oh no, I can't, I absolutely can't do this. Like, how am I going to do this? There's no way. But once we start doing that work, um, getting into our bodies, alchemizing the trauma, we're going to get those steps, our next little steps. And the key is listening to it. And that's how we, transform. That's how we change. That's how we weave our medicine into the world. I love it. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, what we see sometimes as you're uh, referred to overculture, right? Where we see, oh, you do this and then that happens and boom, you got that. Whereas healing trauma, unpacking it, integrating the wisdom that you're receiving, processing all of it really is, like you said, it's a step by step. It's a moment by moment. Your spirit's guiding you and listening to it. So, you can just keep going in the flow of it. Even when it says rest and don't do anything right now, right? It's mm -hmm. like, which we were talking about before we got on for you at this time. Um, feeling into that. How, okay, this is another part of it that I really, I was very curious when you were speaking. Because your dad gave away this for free, right? And who knows how many lineages. And we know, I mean, ancestors or generations, we know that in the past, like, my family didn't see this as like work. And yeah. I was going to readers with my family when I was six, seven, and they'd be surrounded by candles, right? And they'd be doing cleansings and clearings. And we'd be sitting on this plastic furniture in uptown, right? <laughs> right? Washington Heights. Right? And you're like getting on that train. Trains, we're getting on that train. And it was like a sacred journey, right? It was for me, it was a sacred journey. Like I had to cleanse, go get on the train, walk, walk, walk. Like it was worth And then you had to go up the steps and no elevator. And then you sit in the plastic furniture and then you get in there. And so when people were like, oh, you're gonna do this work someday. And I'd be like, I don't wanna be in a little room <laughs> with all the candles around me, you know? Um, so, you know, and so, and I, and I had family who did, you know, readings only for family. How did you go from, you embodied the medicine, right? Because the word healer is what's been created by our culture and we kind of have to speak the lingo to some degree. The business person, the entrepreneur, like what was that leap to say, no, I need to get paid for my sacred work, my sacred medicine? What was that like for you, right? Because it's different for all of us. Yeah, really stepping into that sacred medicine, like I would, uh, a couple of big shifts, but one of them was when my dad passed away. Um, and also just recognizing 
we do live within capitalism and part of capitalism is that there are certain people who are not supposed to thrive. And those people look like you and I, right? Who are not supposed to thrive. And so stepping into that is saying, I, I am supposed to thrive. So my dad, he, he did other things, you know, he, he did other things to support himself, but I am supposed to thrive. And, you know, during his time, maybe he couldn't, or he didn't want to, whatever it is, I can't really speak for him, but I knew that was my next step. You know, that was my next step of like really stepping into what that sole purpose is. So if there's someone, you know, who's watching this and like afraid, it's okay to be afraid, but it's our turn to thrive. Our ancestors conspired for this for this moment. So that those are the some of the things in terms of like really stepping into more of the entrepreneurial space. Um and still having reverence of like, okay, what is that? What is that balance? Cause I like to operate from like radical generosity. And then within that radical generosity, I, I step into like, I feel into my body of like, am I was still within balance? Cause within that there, I could be off balance and not allowing myself to receive. Right. So they're still allowing myself to receive so that I can be taken care of so that, you know, I have a little one so that he can eat and we can eat. We deserve to eat too, because people get so much from the medicine. Yes. Right. Lives get transformed. I mean, so many stories I know that you have and that I have. Yeah. And so many people have. And yet in that equation, often the person who is the healer, the medicine person is the person who doesn't eat. Yeah. And that is feeding into the systems of harm. Like that's, if we're saying we're going to create a new world, then everyone eats. Yes. Everyone thrives. Everyone can rest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that. What do you define as radical um, generosity? I had to ask. Mm. Yeah. It's something that's been on my lips, I've been sharing with my clients recently, like literally in the past few months of like re recognizing that in my lineage, in my family, and I feel so many black and brown folks can relate to this, is like there's radical generosity in sharing of medicine, in sharing of wisdom. And a lot of times in the capitalist overculture, there can be like, wait a minute, there's not enough scarcity. So to me, radical generosity is pushing against the narrative of scarcity, of like, there actually is enough. There's a lot of stuff I do pro bono. No one knows, I don't, I don't share. That's okay, I trust that there's enough. And it's a practice. I'm not gonna say I'm like perfect at all. It's a practice and I'm just leaning into that because when, you know, I grew up in, radical generosity. Like, even though we might not have had enough to eat, like if we had food and someone came over, yes, my mom would never deny that person a plate of food to yes. be like, it would just get separated amongst who was there. Yes. To me, that's radical generosity. Whereas we live in a culture of like, well, I'm not going to separate it because there's not going to be food for us for tomorrow, or I'm just going to hide the food and not let that person know. And they're going to, you know, starve. Mm. 
So that's the thing that I'm pushing up against. And I feel like that's part of the assimilation into a dominant Euro American westernized culture that forces a lot of folks to be like, nope, you got to be in scarcity mentality because there's not enough. When I was raised with, we didn't have money <laughs> growing up, but we always ate because of that radical generosity throughout the community. Yes, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And, and, and I love the way you, you described it. And that's something that I find um, that I find in, in, in communities, Latinx, BIPOC, uh, the willingness to share what we have and to trust that more is coming. And, 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 and you're bringing up so many memories of, um, I remember being around and I, and I do have some white privilege, I have white privilege, you know, in, in that um, I, haven't always, I haven't been attacked uh, mostly for my skin color, more for immigrant status or, or as I was younger, but it brought up memories of seeing people who've been here for generations who were white immediately getting paid and asking and demanding to get paid for work around me <laughs> and me because I had already set up that generosity of the circles were free for years and this was free for years. I'm just giving to my community and other women like myself um, that people wouldn't even do it. Right. Mm. And then like stepping into that, claiming it. So because that kicks into the when something is natural, your radical generosity, right? It's natural to share, it's natural to give, that there's that step that we often have to take and make where it's like, no, we have to learn to charge and we have to draw this line and say, no more. And I just kept seeing that a lot in the world. And I was like, wow, they were taught to do that. My parents were like, oh, help people. You share mm -hmm. what you have. And so it was a learning point. So I love that you shared that because it just brought that up for anybody who's listening of, as you were probably taught to be radically ge generous and general, have radical generosity, that there is a balance where you could still do free things as Therese and myself that we don't talk about and also take care of ourselves. We're not supposed to be martyrs, right? Because I, I also grew up with some Catholic background. I don't know if you did. And there's so many martyrs. Like when I was little, I was like, I wanna do something spiritual, but I don't know what's out there. Martyr, I mean, so, <laughs> you know, none. I don't know. They don't look too happy. God bless them, but you know, um, can I just stop where I dance oh and like hang out with people that I love, and we all like have a good time and create a better world? Um, so it's happening. I have a question for you around revolutionary leadership. What does it mean? What does it look like? And why do we need it? Mm, thank you for that question. So I've been sitting with that revolutionary leadership and decolonized leadership, decolonial leadership for the past few years. And it's something that I'm still sitting with, but what is coming up in this moment, like what what's coming up in this moment, it's knowing that we are included in that equation of leadership, especially folks who look like me, and or folks who are BIPOC, knowing and who are women and femme identified, knowing that we are included in that equation and sacrificing ourselves is not leadership. I feel like there's so much sacrifice that we see. And that's really, I think, the the version of leadership that's sold, especially to 
me as a black woman and as a black femme and going back to what you just shared, we still have to eat. So we still have to eat and we still have to thrive in that equation. It, it's also around alchemizing trauma, breaking intergenerational, or as my teacher Efu says, transgenerational patterns, curses, whatever you want to call them, um, that that keep us in limiting patterns, keep us in places that we don't want to be. And it's also recognizing that there are systems that we need to contend with. So it's not just an individual person by person thing, there are systems. So leadership is a whole, is an, um, there's an ecology, right? It's not just individual, which is what many of us are sold, it also includes the collective as well as systems. And part of our stepping into our leadership and stepping into our healing and embodying that is truly about creating the resilience. And I don't mean resilience in the sense of um, being abused. Resilience in the sense of having rotting in our capacity so that we can create and weave change within our lives, within our communities, and the greater world. I love that so much. Um, I'm so excited for everything I feel that you're birthing into the world that maybe you don't even know about or maybe you do. Because <laughs> I'm just feeling like so many different avenues for you opening up. Mm. And so I just have to share that because just listening to you, I'm just like, yes, I want to do a retreat with Therese and I want to <laughs> support. Um, how, how would you suggest, and I think that you already have been giving guidance on that, how would you suggest that people find that radical leadership? I think you've already touched on it, right? Healing the transgenerational, learning to embody, um, understanding that we all have to eat. What other, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Like, how do we step into this revolutionary leadership? It's really interesting as you're talking, I kept hearing the sentence over and over that I didn't say, and it begins with the body. And when I say body, individual body, our relationship to other bodies, our relationship to land as body. So the points of severance. So we've been severed from ourselves, we've been severed from one another, and we've been severed from the land. Yes. And so it's really repairing those relationships and coming into what's called like secure, secure attachment and recognizing what are our cycles of our patterns of trauma, like what sends us into fight, what sends us into flight, what sends us into freeze, recognizing that and, and recognizing the thing that, you know, the media, toxic media wants us to be disconnected from is from our own bodies because that's where we have access to the technology. So one of the things that really has come to me really clearly is that, yes, for myself and so many folks um, who are black and brown, through colonization, we've lost so much, yet it's in our DNA. 
And there are ways to access that technology, that embodied technology, and, it, and it's through our bodies. That's how, we rem that's how we can remember. I was just talking to a friend about you know, astrology. We're like, how do they get access to this information? Through their bodies, mm -hmm. through dreams, through, but then we have to step out of these you know, colonized thought forms and, and come into relationship with our bodies. And that's curiosity. That's like, that's, that's um, play. That's through being in the unknown, sitting in the empty space. And then it's revealed. So I don't know, that's more of like a nod answer, <laughs> but oh, well, I hope. Well, you know, but that's beautiful. Everything that you said. My little is, one just walked in. Did you see oh, that? <laughs> oh, so we're, we're about to um, come to a close soon, even though I really don't want to. But to be continued. Can we pause uh, for a moment? Yes, we can. Can we pause? Because. Therese, thank you so much. Is there anything else on your heart that you'd like to share with us? I mean, you've shared so much and it's so beautiful. Anything else that you want to share before we close today? Yes, I, I actually do want to share my gratitude for you because I have been watching all the ways that you have shared, all the ways that you have unfolded. And it's really been an honor to watch you and for you to be that dedication to sharing your medicine. Like it brings tears to my eyes, that dedication to sharing your medicine and rising. I mean, we know as entrepreneurs and as healers, like there's so many obstacles and to see you rise and rise again, that's been inspirational. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Therese. Now you're making me cry. <laughs> um, I say the same for you because we were having a conversation before we got on here and we've both been elevated to different levels of elderhood and adulthood yeah. and teenhood through loss. And um, we need to keep seeing each other rise and keep helping each other and keep embracing what you said that there is enough for all of us. Yes. And that's part of the summit as well, the Soul, Soul of Business Summit of inviting in different voices, different stories, and allowing our audiences to resonate to who they resonate to. And so thank you so much. And where can we find you? Where can people follow you, work with you? The two websites um, where you can find me are embodiedblackgirl.com and my own website, therezcouture.com. And I'm on Instagram. Um, that's where I really am. So Instagram, both embodiedblackgirl and at therezcouture. So those are the place, but I will say because Instagram has always changed their algorithms, the best way is to like to join the the mailing list and I'll send you like a little meditation or a boundaries practice depending on where you sign up. I love that. And you heard it folks. We know that we can't trust IG and all <laughs> we can't. So please <laughs> sign up because we want to stay in this dance. And you know, you can read the emails as you're called to attend or explore, but please do sign up because you know things are crazy out there. Anyway, thank you, Therese. Honored to be here with you to have this conversation, you know, to be continued in different ways, any way that I could support you. Gracias a todos por estar aquí. Please, please follow Therese and continue flowing and continue reclaiming and continue remembering that the ancestral medicine, la medicina, is already within us. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you.